This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You're live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I've got Graham Williams with me today. We've got an awesome show for you. We will be talking with the folks over at Intel later on in the program on building the ultimate gaming computer. They've got like a ninth generation Intel processor now. Uh, yeah. We'll tell you what that means. I know this is exciting to us, but we'll explain that in English. There's, there's some good stuff in there. There is good stuff. Uh, we'll also be talking with the folks at MasterCard about artificial intelligence and how they're using that to reduce the amount of card fraud. Nice. Do you know how many transactions they do a year? How many? $75 billion. Huh. That's a we, lot. At least half of those are mine. Probably. <laughs> There is not enough humans to actually go through all of those transactions. So obviously they have to rely on machines and with artificial intelligence, they've been able to cut that down dramatically. It's super fascinating how it all works. We were worried about Skynet coming from the military. Skynet is coming from accounting. Got it. Exactly. And uh, in a short time period here, we'll be talking with Shruti Shakar from Mobile Syrup about the CRTC's uh, push to have the big three within 90 days offer data only plans. Ooh. And they suck. Oh. No. Well, we'll find out how bad they suck and if there's anything we can do about it. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the tech news here on Get Connected. Uh, Huawei, they're in the news, but mm. maybe a, a positive thing here. They're announcing a new smartphone Yes, called the Nova 4, and it's got a hole-punch display with a 48-megapixel camera. So if you're looking at a lot of these new smartphones, they're all screened now, and they've got that little notch up top. Yes. That's Every, where the camera's got to go. Everyone famously derided Apple for the notch and then immediately launched a notched phone themselves. Got it. So Huawei is uh, trying something different. They're going to have a little hole for the camera, but mm. it looks like a little hole, like someone punched a hole in the, the top left-hand corner of yeah. the camera. yeah. It's kind of a neat place to put it. Now, I mean, here's the interesting thing. 48 megapixels. Yeah, because, I mean, we needed more megapixels on our digital pictures. These things are, they're incredibly great quality, which is good. Um, The whole punch design is kind of neat, right? I mean, it's, you know, you don't have that notch up at the top. Now, it's not going to have the same type of cameras that you're going to find in something like uh, the iPhone XS. There's no IR camera. The facial recognition is going to be nowhere near as good. So it's it's purely a selfie-only camera, but it's kind of a neat approach to the design. In the top left-hand corner, you've basically got this black dot uh, where the camera is. Kind of kind of cool looking, I think, right? Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, people, Some people don't care about the notch. I don't care about the notch. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people do. Yep. I'm just wondering if that, that small hole, like that little hole punch camera they're talking about now, will uh, please some of those notch haters. Uh, it should do. I mean, I, I've always looked at it this way. You don't have a notch. Uh, the, the screen actually has ears up on the side where you've got things in the top and left and right hand side. So I like my ears and don't really care so much about the notch. Let's talk about uh, self-driving cars now. Audi is pulling the curtain back on its self-driving car program. What's this all about, Graham? So essentially what they're doing is rolling out a new line of autonomous vehicles that have a ton of sensors packed into them. Um, We saw some really cool stuff last year at CES where they were working in radar, LiDAR, and optical. Um, So Audi's kind of talking about some of their uh, their, their, their new stuff that's going on here. And it's it's, it's a smart system wherein the software stack can make better decisions as you're driving. This is something that we kind of all need to see as we're moving forward with autonomous vehicles. How far do you, do you think we're away from these, Graham? I know the technologies here, they're still working the kinks out, but I mean, we're not ready for prime time yet. Um, you know, I'm going to say 24 months. And that seems uh, very, very soon, but we've already seen in California uh, the first autonomous uh, cabs are driving and they're working well. Uh, the time frame here, Moore's Law used to talk about how sort of increases in processing power over time. 
Right. Yes. Well, it actually, what it was, it was shrinking transistor size over time, which gave us a corresponding increase in, trans, in, uh, in processing power. This, in AI decision-making and in tracking, is actually where we're going to see an application similar to that, where in, you know, in six months we are not doubling, but we're absolutely accelerating the capabilities that we have in this space. So this is only getting faster and faster as we go along. Um, in 24 months, we're going to be in a vastly different place than we are now. I'm actually I'm really excited to see some of the new things that are coming down the pipe, especially coming up with CES in the next couple of weeks. Apple uh, has sent iPhone owners unwanted push notifications to promote carpool karaoke, which is seemingly in violation of its own developer rules regarding notification etiquette. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Apple. Yes. Um, here's what I've got for them right now. Boo. Oh. Don't do this. Who doesn't like carpool karaoke? I love carpool karaoke, but you yep. know what? I want to actually hear about it when I ask to hear about it. Don't go ahead and use your notification system to do that. Now, they've done this before, right? Uh, they had the uh, system in place for the iPhone upgrade program, which we don't have here in Canada. But if you were in that program, it would send you a notification saying that you could re-up and basically buy a new phone. That's also soliciting me to do something that I didn't ask about. The big one, you probably remember this. Uh, do you remember when the U2 album got pushed to your phone? I love that. I yeah, you know, I, I love you too. I wasn't thrilled about that thing showing up on my phone. Why? Because I didn't ask for it. But it's a free album. Yeah, and that's and fine. Too. You know what? Send me an email and let me go and download it. Don't push okay, the darn thing okay. to my phone. My phone is a sacred space, Apple. I don't want you invading it. Is your it. phone a temple? It, my, my phone is a temple. Yes. Right? Every morning I get up, we, we consecrate the space, and if I've got push messages that I don't want, I need an old priest and a young priest to get them out of there. You're very passionate about this, Graham. Uh, Google has announced a new $1 billion New York City campus in Hudson Square. A billion dollar campus. $1 billion. That is crazy. Yeah. Uh, It'll uh, be located at 315 and 345 Hudson Street, if you know where that is, in New York City. Uh, Expected to open in 2022. Cool. I mean, they're adding new headquarters all over the place with this, right? Yeah. Uh, Apple's famous new their UFO campus. You've seen this one? Yes. Um, very, very cool place. Um, Amazon famously getting massive subsidies from New York to build a headquarters there. Skipping over Toronto. Boo. Uh, you know, I mean, tech's got a tech, right? So they're going to need a headquarters. Here it is. A billion dollars, though. Yeah. That's crazy. Absolutely. You should see the coffee machine, though. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you saw this story uh, just recently on Mashable. Um, hackers uh, have found ways to beat two-factor authentication. Oh, geez. Here we go. So explain two-factor authentication to the listeners and why this is important. So two-factor authentication basically uses your password. That's the first factor. You put that in, and passwords are notoriously weak, right? Computers are pretty good at guessing them, uh, especially even if you have those like you know weird combinations of letters and numbers. Uh, so that's your first factor. And then what it will do is it will trigger the system to send uh, some sort of approval to a device that you can So in some cases, it can just be clicking OK on either a hardware piece like your Apple Watch or something like that, or it will send a code either to an app or to a text message uh, wherein you can take that code and then put it into the system. That code is time limited. You know, usually it's good for about 30 seconds. You get it and then you punch it in and you can log in. So for hackers to say that they've they've been able to beat two-factor authentication. Well, uh, it's tricking humans. Uh, What they're doing is phishing... Upwards of a thousand people, uh, according to Amnesty International, mm-hmm. uh, they were targeting uh, activists and journalists uh, based in the Middle East and North Africa. Um, 
using uh, phony emails and login pages, uh, trying to trick the victims into handing access over to their Google and Yahoo accounts. So this is basically is a social engineering attack, right, where they send a phishing page to you. Yes. So again, if you're an idiot and you click on a link that came from an email that you didn't ask to be sent to you, yep. I'm calling you an idiot because that's what you are at this point. You're, you're taken to a page that doesn't belong to this group where they are sitting and waiting, and it's not actually a human being. It's going to be a bot. And... You punch in your email address and password. They've now captured your email address and password. It asks you for the two-factor authentication. You put that through. It automatically logs in. They change your password. You've lost your account because you were an idiot. Don't click on links that you didn't ask for. Type in the address. When we come back from the break, we'll uh, be finding out about the new data-only plans coming from the carriers in the next 90 days. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Well, the CRTC announced on December 17th of 2018 that uh, Canada's big three, which would be Bell, Rogers, and TELUS, will begin offering a range of lower-cost data-only mobile wireless mobile plans uh, that will happen over the next 90 days or by the end of March. And so uh, this press release goes further and says the plans will range from as low as $15 Canadian for 250 megabytes of data up to $30 for one gigabyte of monthly data. On the line, we've uh, got our mobile expert, Shruti Shikar from Mobile Syrup, to help us understand what this is all about and get her thoughts on whether this is a, a good or bad <laughs> decision. Shruti, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. Uh, there are some uh, advocates out there saying this is <laughs> extremely disappointing. Uh, some others are saying, uh, you know, this is a great step in the, you know, in this direction. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think it's a little disappointing, to be honest, because, I mean, we've already seen in Canada that there is a lack of, um, or rather there's, there's an affordability problem with accessing mobile services. That actually has been an, a case for quite some time now, and, and it's even been to the point where uh, Federal Innovation Minister Navdeep Baines has actually come out and said that this is a problem and we need to address it and the CRTC needs to do something about it. So it's come to a point where even the Federal Minister of Innovation is saying, hey, like some of our Canadians aren't even accessing or having access to the internet or mobile services. Let's try to get that number down so that people can get access. And now this plan has happened, but it's not even that great, which is like, there's, I just don't even understand why it even came out. It, it just kind of, <laughs> it, it boggles my mind. I don't even understand. Like, I don't know what to tell you. No, well, it's, it's interesting. And I encourage our listeners to uh, check out uh, Shruti's uh, article about this uh, at mobilesyrup.com. Uh, you interviewed uh, Dwayne Winsek. Uh, he's the director of the Canadian Media Concentration Research Project. And uh, he basically said, according to your article, that this was coming in worse than expected. Uh, you know, he was, yeah. he was thinking that, you know, there should be like a $5 per month plan for 250 megabytes, but we're nowhere near that. No, and we're not. And you know, the thing is, um, all of this sort of came from the fact, well, obviously, one, the innovation minister said that there's an affordability problem. And so um, there was an actual consultation that took place over the summertime. Um, and the consultation was basically to see, quote, whether or not there's actually competition in Canada, or if there's enough competition in Canada to result in some sort of affordability plan for Canadians. And so that's why the CRTC decided, oh, yeah, there is a lot of competition. So, hey, let's give these options. But 
But, you know, Mr. Winsack was telling me, or rather, sorry, I apologize, Professor Winsack was telling me that this is just ridiculous. It's a complete slap in our face. Um, the, there was so much empirical evidence that was actually presented during these um, hearings and the proceedings. Um, it took place over several months. And, you know, there were so many people, advocates, um, consumer advocates, uh, professors, people who are in the in the realm, the big three themselves, they were all sort of pitching in and being like, hey, these are some of the options that we have. And Professor Winsack, who is a Carleton University professor as well, he was basically telling me, like, when he submitted, when, when he was looking at all the files and what the big three came up with, like, the CRTC actually went with a lower price than what Bell offered, for example, which is just, like, it just... It's, it's just ridiculous. Like, I, I don't even know why they even had consultations in the first place if they're not even going to listen to what advocates have to say and look at all the compelling evidence that's actually available. Shruti, I, I, think, <laughs> I think both of you and I are looking at this, uh, and it, it probably had, <laughs> there was no other outcome, really, because if they were, ad, you know, if the CRTC pushed for lower rates, it would devastate the big three's business. They would lose hundreds of millions of dollars, wouldn't they? No, and they totally would. And I think that's also part of the discussion that's also being had um, because of who the chairman of the CRTC is currently right now. Ian Scott actually was a former TELUS employee. He was a vice president. And then he actually became a, uh, a lobbyist for TELUS as well. Um, and he also worked for several other uh, communication platforms and also worked at the CRTC briefly. So I think a lot of people are kind of concerned that there's this person who seems to be advocating so much for um, the big three and not actually giving fair a, a fair opportunity to other um, the other competition that's out there and and giving a fair chance to people to have an affordable option for more mobile services like it, it it's quite disappointing and that's what most people are saying but what should we expect from the CRTC are they really for consumers or are they for the industry? and consumers? Are they trying to play both sides? You know, I, I don't want to sit here and say that the CRTC is not helping people because that's not my job to say. I'm a journalist. I obviously have to be impartial. But one thing I can say is that one of the main reasons why the CRTC exists is to have that consultation and to be able to listen to both sides and you know, have that fair option. But I think people begin to question what the CRTC is doing and the decisions that the CRTC says when they come up with decisions like these and it's not in favor of what the consumers want. Um, it starts to, it, it, people begin to question what the CRTC is doing when so many advocates are saying, you know, we need to be a number one player in mobile services, in wireless services, when this decision that they've just come out with is actually putting Canada back in, like, way back in the international platform. You know, you've got countries like Sweden, Norway, um, countries in Asia who are far performing far better in mobile service options. And this decision comes out and it's like, well, you've basically placed Canada even further behind. So I'm not going to sit here and say CRTC doesn't help consumers, but it's questionable. It's definitely <laughs> questionable and it's concerning. <laughs> like, it's, it's very concerning. <laughs> we're talking with uh, Shruti Shakar from Mobile Syrup about uh, CRTC's uh, recent announcement that uh, Canada's big three telecoms, 
That being Bell, Rogers, and TELUS will begin offering a range of lower-cost data-only mobile wireless mobile plans in the next 90 days. Again, uh, coming in at $15 Canadian for 250 megabytes. That's data-only. You don't get any phone service or, or texting. Uh, and $30 for one gigabyte, which... What can you do with one gigabyte of, uh, of data nowadays? Like if that's what you're relying on as your kind of telecommunication bundle now, uh, how fast will that go? You'll be out of that in a week. <laughs> Maybe like five minutes, let's say. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't even know what to tell you. Like what can you do with 250 megabytes? I don't know, like open Facebook. Oh, wait, you might not want to do that these days. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's crazy. Um, I mean, I, I guess I guess it's a step in in a direction, right? We haven't had data only plans uh, yet, so maybe it'll get better. You, you don't, you never no. know. Yeah, and and you know what the thing is, right? Like I, this is a step in in a in some sort of direction. It does open up the conversation more, but I also feel like most people are kind of fed up with the conversation because this has been going on for so long, and people are like, oh my goodness, like. We're not even getting anywhere with this conversation, so why even have it at this point? You know, I was talking to another advocate, um, Monica Auer from the FRPC, that's the Forum for Policy, and oh my God, I'm going to butcher the name right now, Research Policy and Communications. Um, she was basically saying, like, she was completely fed up with the idea of, of what's happening. Like, she was just tired. It's just, <laughs> there's so much data that's been offered, and now... She doesn't even know what's next. Like she, it's it's like prepping for the next consultation, which is coming up in June, in January. It's like there's no there's no point at this point, and so I, I think a lot of people are just really exhausted, <laughs> and that probably says something, you know, about the CRTC's decision. Well, Shruti, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. That was Shruti Shakar from MobileSyrup.com. She's wrote, written an excellent article about the CRTC's uh, push now to have the big three offer data-only wireless mobile plans coming up in the next 90 days. You can get all the info again at MobileSyrup.com. When we come back from the break, still lots of tech to talk. We'll be uh, chatting with the uh, folks at MasterCard about how they're using artificial intelligence to weed out all the fraudulent transactions. And I'm, there's literally billions of these things happening every year. And uh, we'll be uh, also talking with our friends over at Intel about how to put together the ultimate gaming PC. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs, here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Well, it uh, is the busy holiday season. As you can imagine, people are spending millions, if not billions of dollars worldwide. How do we spend money? Well, it's not so much cash anymore. It's cards. And as you can imagine, that's a lot of processing going on in the background to make sure that all those transactions are happening and to make sure that they're being done securely as well. To understand how that all works and how artificial intelligence is playing a part in that, we have a great guest online. His name is Ed McLaughlin. He's the president of operations and technology for MasterCard. Thanks for joining us today, Ed. Hello, Mike. Glad to. Well, from uh, what I understand, you can correct me if I'm wrong on these numbers, uh, but uh, you guys are processing close to 75 billion transactions a year at 45 million different locations? And growing all the time. That is exactly right. That would be a lot of humans to, to monitor all that. So I imagine that uh, computers and, <laughs> and technology uh, play a, a huge part in uh, making sure that all runs smoothly. Yeah, we, uh, we depend on the machines to do a lot of that. And that's really where a lot of the work we're doing with artificial intelligence come, comes in. 
Because what it allows us to do is literally watch every one of those billions of transactions and look at each one individually to make sure if it, it's okay. How long has this been going on that MasterCard has been using uh, artificial intelligence to, uh, to help reduce fraud? Well, I think if you go back to 50 years that we've been running the network, we've made huge investments in preventing fraud from happening. But I would say going back probably about five or six years ago, there was a real state change in just the amount of data available to us, the computing power we had, and a lot of really sophisticated algorithms that were coming out that allowed us to do things smarter. So what we can now do is look at all the characteristics we would normally see at a transaction based on everything that's already flown through the network. And then when we see a new transaction, we can just detect does it make sense or not, does it need to be more inspected, or does it match patterns we've seen in the past that are fraud. And there's two very important things. For me, when I go shopping, I want to make sure that you know my transactions are safe, I'm going to get what I don't, I don't have anything to worry about. But we also make sure that you don't get declined when it's legitimately you. So one of the great things about the new AI technologies we have is not only are we blocking much more fraud than we ever could in the past, we're also making sure that you can go shopping and it's not going to get in the way of what you want to do. Yeah, that can be embarrassing. Back a few years ago uh, with one of your competitor cards, uh, I was uh, you know, buying a, a new suit and uh, you know, had tons of room on the card and uh, it got declined. It was a false decline, which was kind, kind of embarrassing. Oh, it is, and I certainly hope you're on a better network. Um, <laughs> but that's what we think. We really start everything from the customer experience, and the key is to make sure that you can shop anywhere you want, anywhere in the world, with complete confidence. So building in these powerful AI systems that can examine each transaction and make a decision in literally the blink of an eye um, is exactly what we've put in place. Is artificial intelligence safe? I know some people are reluctant, uh, you know, when they hear about AI or artificial intelligence. Yeah, so artificial intelligence is such a huge term. Uh, one of the pioneers in the field, uh, Marvin Minsky, used to call it a suitcase word because you could almost pack anything you wanted into it. <laughs> yeah. So the, the sort of area of AI that we've been doing a lot of work on is usually called machine learning. And when you look at something like card transactions or payment transactions, there's really strong patterns and a lot of clear labeled information around that. So we can use that to feed the algorithms to get really, really good outcomes for it. So we do two things, one of which is we're absolutely testing all the time on the results of the algorithms, and then literally we've invented different AIs that watch the AIs we've put in place. So you are constantly not only making those decisions, but we have other things monitoring the decisions in real time to make sure they don't drift off from what we expected to do. So we've had just great results in doing it, and it's led to much better experience using MasterCard. How does MasterCard see artificial intelligence evolving into the future now? So I think there's a couple of things that you're going to see, and we really break it into three, at least big areas that we think about. One is there are a lot of things which are just, we call it toil. It's just repetitive things that you have to do. And this way we can make it easier to find out the information that you want to get service on your account. Take a lot of burden and work away from people by having the machines do it. And that's just finding 
better ways of doing it. There's a lot of things that call it robotic automation and other things that you can apply at that. Uh, there's a second big area, and that's humans and computers working together. And this is where we're seeing a lot of the uh, ad advantages now, and I think we'll see it in the future, where we can help our people be smarter by really giving them AI-based tools. So for example, when we monitor the network now, we can see if an individual merchant it has you know, a place you might want to shop is suddenly acting different than they've had in the recent past, which might be an indication of a system issue. We don't know what it is, but we can work with them to make sure it's going okay and you can shop there uh, anytime you want to. So this idea of humans and computers working together is where I really see us getting much of the value out of the investment in AI. And then the third big area, which is really exciting too, is the ability to do things that we could never do before or that people could never do. And that really comes from this ability to react instantly and also look at a huge mass of information that, that wouldn't be available to any, any single user. So the things when we talked about the fraud scoring, or we have a really cool thing we did in the network, where as we look at every transaction, if we see something that we know is a, a, a pattern or a, a crime vector, we'll stop it instantly. So we've literally prevented billions of dollars of fraud faster than a page could go off to reach a human operator. So it, it's those kinds of things. So I think you'll see it in making things easier to do, in making the work that people do that much smarter, and then being able to do work that we could never do before because you couldn't be fast enough or access as much information as needed to do it. So broad range of applications. We're talking with Ed McLaughlin. He is the president of operations and technology over at MasterCard. Uh, they're actually contending with over 200 threats per minute, uh, preventing billions of dollars in fraud using artificial intelligence. Ed, I want to thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Always good to talk, Mike. Look forward to it. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Time to talk processors. Uh, of course, technology is always leaping forward, and uh, Intel is one of the leaders uh, in processor technology uh, out there. They have uh, now released their ninth uh, generation of uh, core iCore processors. On the line, we've got Lisa McManus to explain why we want to have one of these in our laptops or desktops. Thanks for joining us, Lisa. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate being here. So explain to our listeners so, you know, explain to our listeners what the ninth generation means. Yeah, absolutely. So for those folks that, you know, haven't been in the market for a little bit, um, every, you know, we continually at Intel improve our, our processors and the, in the quality and the speed of, of the output. And we refer to those as uh, generation. So we've moved up obviously five, six, seven, eight, and now we've just introduced our ninth generation in, in the October. And actually you, I think your team was there, you weren't there, but in November we introduced the ninth generation. And uh, so when people go into stores looking, uh, you know, at laptops and desktops, uh, explain to them the different variations uh, that uh, they should be looking at. From laptops, and yeah, absolutely. So depending on um, what you're looking at, you obviously have a, a laptop version of, of a computer. So you have a two-in-one or a, a, some type of mobile device. And in those devices, you have um, an i3, i5, i7, i9 series type of product. And on the desktop side, you have the same level of, of um, CPU, um, but obviously in small form factor desktops, big form factor, bigger 
gaming desktops and all-in-ones. Is that what you meant, Mike? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, you talked about i3, i5, i7, i9. And again, for the listeners, uh, as you go up in the numbers, uh, the more powerful the processor. And I think uh, this year is the first time we've seen the i9, correct? Uh, well, we've just introduced the ninth generation i9 okay. so, um, for, for desktops. Yes. So we've had an eighth generation uh, i9, but, um, but now we've just introduced the ninth generation. Perfect. And so what are people going to see in this ninth generation uh, set of chips? You know what, the, the, the series that we just launched are the K-series, which is means, it, and you guys would probably know, but you when you're looking your shopping for your computers, you see a, for example, i9-9900K. K-series refers to an unlocked chip, and unlocked is sort of a, a, a chip that allows the super-duper gamer guys of the world to overclock, which means enhance the speed of the chip um, over what it, it's designed for. But the 9th gen is absolutely amazing. It's blazing fast. We have up to eight cores, 16 threads at five gigahertz. So amazing um, speed and it's optimized for the latest discrete graphics cards. What this means for the user um, and the folks that are gamers will probably recognize some of the terms I'm using, but um, it basically enables more frames per second. So more than 220 frames per second on the most popular AAA game titles like Fortnite, Rainbow Six, CSGO, PUBG. Uh, so what that means is they have up to about 11% over the last generation frames per second. So higher quality graphics, more detail in their gaming as they go through. And you know, the amazing part, Mike, is um, 45% more compared to three-year-old game PCs out there. So if you can imagine, in just three years, we managed to almost, you know, 45% greater frames per second. Um, what also is a lot, what was also great with the ninth gen is overclocking support for those folks that push their their CPUs to the limit. We have the Intel Extreme Tuning Utility, which basically manages overclocking for you. So for those folks that are interested in overclocking, there's a tool now that sort of optimizes your overclocking attributes. Um, and one element that's sort of not so much gaming but more content creation is we've had a 34% improvement for video editing. So for all those guys out there, guys, when I say guys, women and men out there who are content creators um, that create 4K or 360K, uh, 360 video, and it create, edit, and share, 34% improvement. So it's really significant for a lot of different um, audiences. It was interesting you're saying, uh, you know, this, this ninth generation uh, of Intel processors, uh, I think uh, the number you used was 45% uh, uh, faster than uh, gaming PCs from three years ago. Uh, I know a lot yeah. of guys that still have PCs from three, four, five years ago. So uh, you're suggesting that they would notice uh, a significant improvement uh, in, in their gaming. Example, like, you know, one of the elements is that as, as you're gaming, as you're looking and then these folks have amazing rigs, right? You're not, it's not a typical person using a regular type of device, but amazing rigs. And what happens is, say, for example, if you're, you know, a first person shooter game, all of a sudden your experience is much more lifelike. You have a lot more detail. So as you're walking through, you know, you're seeing different colors, you're seeing much more detail in the, in the scenarios you're in. So they would definitely see a big improvement um, in terms of, first of all, um, smoothness of play, as well as the content that's available out there for folks that are playing with 4K, for example, those games that are enabled or the devices that are enabled for 4K, it's definitely a different experience. 
We're talking with Lisa McManus from Intel all about uh, the latest generation of Intel processors. They're up to uh, their ninth generation of core processors. you got to check them out. Uh, Lisa, where can people find out more information about uh, some of the stuff we're talking about here today? Yeah, if you go on intel.ca... There's loads of information. You can you can even just Google, uh, sorry, search ninth gen under at intel.ca, and there's loads of information for folks out there that are interested in a lot more detail around and some on-screen examples of that side-by-side performance from a three-year-old PC to a brand new PC for today. Right, so really great opportunity to learn. You can also, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, a lot of technical stuff here. Uh, you know, if you go down to the, the folks down at the London Drugs Computer Department, those guys are super knowledgeable about all of this uh, as well, and they can uh, walk you through step-by-step step what it all means uh, and, uh, and how to put together the best uh, machine for you, whether you're a, a content creator or a gamer. Lisa, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, no, it's been my pleasure. I hope you have a great holiday season, and thanks for having me. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. A little bit of time left here, Graham, for some Amazon Alexa skills. Mm-hmm. What's the first one we got? Well, uh, this this month we have something very special going on. Christmas. Christmas. And Santa is going to be blazing across the planet. And of course, we do our best to make sure that we have the finest military technology in the world tracking him as he goes. NORAD, uh, as you know, will track uh, Chris Kringle, St. Nick, uh, one of his many aliases, as he travels across the planet. And you can actually watch him as he, as he, as he goes. Uh, so it's kind of neat. And so we actually have a NORAD tracks Santa skill. Okay. And so this is free to enable. How do you activate it? And so you say, ask NORAD Track Santa, where is Santa? And it will tell you at the precise moment where Santa Claus is. So this is highly accurate. Highly accurate. Uh, you can also ask for a fact from the Santa files, Yeah. Uh, which, you know, there, there are a number of things that you could learn about Santa, uh, but the process of how Santa is replaced, should he ever be injured? Uh, there's a documentary about that. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw it, the Santa Claus. Um, and you can also say, when will Santa be at my house? Uh, which will give you an approximate time as to when he will be showing up. Uh, of course, you do need to be asleep. Otherwise, he's not dropping presents off. So make sure you use that to, uh, to get to bed on time. Hmm. see holes in this. <laughs> uh, let's uh, get a second skill. You've got another one. I do. This one, uh, the open focus method yeah. by voice focused. What, what is this? Uh, so this is a uh, skill that is for training your attention span. Okay. Right. And so uh, basically what you can do is there are a number of different things that you can do in order to increase the amount of time that you can spend paying attention to things. Yeah. Uh, start by putting your darn phone down. Yes. Might be helpful. Yes. Uh, but these are skills that it will go through. And when you say, uh, uh, start opening my focus and play the general practice track, it will take you through a number of these different skills that are focused on making you, well, focus. How many voice assistants do you have in your house now? Are you, are you thinking of getting more for Christmas? Uh, well, I've only got the two, right? I've got Siri, yes. which is based on my, my phone and my iPad. I haven't got a HomePod yet. No. Um, I was thinking about adding one, but it's like, I've got this great Sonos system. You, Sonos, yeah. Why would you need the HomePod? Yeah. It doesn't really fit. And, and so Sonos also works with my Echo Dots, and I've got two of those. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually using a Lutron system with my Sonos system as well. So I've got remotes around the house that I can play, pause, next track type of deal. And then I, I tend to use the Echo if I want to use voice controls. Yeah. Um, so that tends to be where I'm at. I'm, I'm not really thinking about Google, but I know you've got it in your place. I got them everywhere. I got Googles. I got Amazons. I got Siri. 
I'm just confused now. Cortana's out in the cold going, my Cortana, the Windows, I don't even, I don't use that one, but I get confused now sometimes wondering who to ask for what. Right? Yes. I wonder, it's getting better. We need to get them to be able to chat with each other a little bit more. I'm working on it. They can crowdsource the answers for us. Don't forget to listen to our app show every Sunday between 10 and 11 here on CKNW 980. All about the world of apps for your smartphone and your tablets. It's awesome. And if you've got a podcast app, you can listen to us here on Get Connected and on the app show via that podcast app on either Spotify, Apple Music, or other podcast services. Thank you, Graham. I want to thank Graham uh, Williams for coming in and helping out with the show. This is Mike and Graham logging off. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season 6 of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.